scary movie. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? There's no coffee here in Nilbog. It's the devil's drink. Eggs. Eh! Bacon. Are you crazy, boy? Eh! We're eh! vegetarians here in Nilbog. Didn't you know that? Here's some Nilbog milk. Special milk. High in vitamin. Eh! Here is free. Free? Of course it's free. We love tourists here in Nilbog. Try some, boy, and have some of your friends drink some also. Thank you. Do you feel all right? Fran has a message for you. Who? Arnold? Yeah, that's him. He said... Okay. Because, you know, I'm always going to advocate for killer lizards. Do you do King Godzilla. <laughs> I'm... Fuzzily defined. Did they say he's a dinosaur? I don't know. Probably not. Barney is a dinosaur for imagination. <laughs> That's the far you could come. For imagination, yeah. Start, Did you I'm guys all get to see the Wolfman tonight? The, who? the Wolfman Dave put a video up. It was pretty sweet. I really liked it. Wolfman Dave. Oh, right. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I've, I've actually been... Uh, fuck, Dustin, you're his neighbor. You don't know who the fuck I have no idea. Film. Yeah, he takes his shirt off and, and says, look at my hair, I'm now a wolf. No. <laughs> no, but check it out. It's actually before this episode. episode uh, I was doing a test run. It's really hot under, uh, underneath my transformation uniform. <laughs> but anyways, um, this is uh, episode number 18 on Inside Movies Galore. Uh, 
starting this podcast. W uh, welcome all. Uh, thanks again for uh, coming ba uh, back. Um, and uh, tonight we are going to talk about Troll 89, uh, Trolls 2 oh, yeah. from 1990, and some of the bastard children after it. Not gonna uh, give you up. Never gonna let you down. <laughs> Ready. So, um, I'm, gonna start, uh, I'm gonna start with uh, with you, Andrew. Uh, why don't you uh, saw troll? Give it up for Andrew. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, troll. Maybe, oh my maybe you can do a quick synopsis of it. Well, if I have to, well, okay. Do you want a quick synopsis or do you want a really condensed synopsis? Well, here I, I, I'll uh, real, I'll tell you a little like bit. The there. first time you had your penis touched and it exploded real quick like that. Oh, then a really quick, <laughs> then a condensed synopsis. It is basically a witch helps Harry Potter fight magical creatures. The film is directed by John Carl Buechler or Buechler or. However you pronounce it, and it is produced <laughs> by Charles Band from Empire Pictures. Charles Band, Andrew. Ah yes, oh Charles Band, how I love your Empire series. <laughs> Anything from Tourist Trap to Dolls to freaking Troll. This movie I felt was. Definitely, it has that Charles Band quality that was there in the 80s and late 70s. Um, basically, a troll by the name of... Um, oh, for the love of God, I can't even think of his name for the life of uh, now. Torak. Thank you, Torak. Um, basically, finds himself inside an apartment building with, um, with a whole bunch of people, including... A very pedophile-looking Sonny Bono, who's supposed to be like this sex god, which I always thought was like so bizarre, but yet hilarious. Um, and of course, he starts going from apartment to apartment, creating this whole entire world of like mythical creatures and elves and fairies and all this stuff. And um. You know, I thought, you know, it was like the fact that they had two characters in there of Harry Potter and yeah. Harry Potter Jr., which, by the way, Harry Potter Jr. was actually played by the same actor who played uh, Atreyu in the uh, NeverEnding Story, part one. Except that he just doesn't have the long hair, nor um, does he look that young. And it's like, it kind of threw me for a loop, but I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, my childhood in a horror movie. Yay! But, um,. Apparently, Torok actually takes over the body of his uh, younger sister, Wendy, and starts going around, you know, um, basically turning people into trolls and fairies and goblins and what have you. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just waiting for David Bowie to just pop out of nowhere as the Goblin King with his gigantic package for delivery. <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> and um, I actually thought it was actually one of the better movies within the uh, Empire series because the effects were actually on point. 
And there was a lot of actors that you would actually see later on, or at least one actor you would see later on in many upon many of Charles's films um, later on throughout the years, which is, um, okay. I can't pronounce his name for the life of me. I... Michael Moriarty? I'm not talking about Sherlock Holmes here. I just mean, uh, I just mean the good actor. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> He, he, he was the first, like, prosecutor in, in Law and Order when Law and Order was new. And he was in Q. That's who I thought you were. Well, there was Noah Hathaway, Michael Moriarty, Shelley Hack, Jenny Beck, Sonny Bono. Um. Oh, for love of God, I can't think of it. And you life. can't forget about uh, our lovely young lady from uh, Seinfeld. Oh, yes. Um. Who just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, good lord. Oh, fuck it. Let's cancel this issue, then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome, Celeste. Uh, what, uh, Hello. What was, uh, what was your um, experience with uh, Troll uh, from 1989? Was this your first time seeing it, or...? It was not. I've seen both of them a few times. Okay. Um, Troll is a really good movie in its own way. Um, it's interesting. It's got a quirky character. It's pretty 80s. Troll 2 is an awful movie that I still love. She's a true sadomasochist. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the weird vegetarian right. concept of it. I'm a vegetarian, so I actually was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'll give you did that. You drink, that did you drink your nilbog tonight? <laughs> Why was it called <laughs> Trolls, and why did it have goblins in it if it's Trolls? I, I know. That's what I was trying to th uh, think. Brandon, um, <laughs> well, there was, what was there your... There was already name? a movie called Goblin. <laughs> That's true. And Hobgoblins. Uh, Very true. Troll Brandon, was uh, what, go ahead. I was going to say, Troll was actually... I remember from last time, discussion was about a lot of things were about how you experienced uh, the movie and uh, Troll actually was one of the first movies that scared me as a kid. Now, as an adult, that's a ridiculous kind of thing. But uh, as a kid, I had seen that first transformation scene where uh, uh, the guy turns into the cocoon and that just was uh, traumatizing for a really long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember seeing that scene too and I was yeah. like, man, he looks bloated. Get that and man a Pepto-Bismol. I, I remember uh, see, uh, seeing uh, uh, Troll and th uh, thinking, uh, am I watching Poltergeist or am I watching Troll? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's similarities. <laughs> it's surprising that um, somebody would have been really, like, although, I don't know, my perceptions of, like, what people find scary have been shaken a little bit because yesterday I met I met this 13-year-old kid who he's, him and his mom are going to be Jason and his mom for Halloween. Um, but the, but Scooby Doo is supposedly too scary for this kid after dark. I'm I'm so confused. <laughs> um, I call slinks on that one. <laughs> well, hey, give, it, give so, him give him uh, give him a break because Scooby Doo is about a talking dog that can walk <laughs> and spit, walk more or less and behave like a human. Which if terrifying. you uh, had that happen in real life, that'd be pretty scary. Because yeah. really, when, when you think about it, the idea of Jason Voorhees is not all that far removed from reality, other than the fact that he keeps coming back from the dead. But like, other than that, he's fairly 
recognizable as a not an anthropomorphic know. stoner dog. Exactly. Like if, <laughs> if you actually saw that in real life, that would be horrifying. Yeah, but we had Mister Ed the Talking Horse. Which did he come? And that, and that was also horrifying. <laughs> and for, uh, uh, and was there Francis the Talking Mule? Well, I think yeah, it was uh, Francis the Talking Mule. <laughs> That was well, and if you're if you're a far side if you're a far side fan, you'll remember the infamous uh, Mr. Ed and Francis the Talking Mule debates. <laughs> <laughs> For all you far side um, fans out there, nice. What was your first um, um, scene of Troll? Well, you know what? I'm not really into the fairies and type of shit like that, but I, this will be. This will be. I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so sure. I heard some guys down at the docks that could tell you different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that joke was coming. You just. You just want me to go ahead and bat wing you again. I get it, dude. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, not necessarily. Represent those. Oh, oh yeah. I like. I like dipping my nuts all the time. But I, I, those type of movies, those fantasy type movies like that, I'm not really into. But since this had like the puppet type shit, you know, where they the goblins were dressed up, I, I, yeah. I actually enjoyed the movie. Uh, I, I I think it flowed well actually, for the type of movie that it was. And I think they probably put in a lot of work into those apartment rooms where they made them look like forests. Those were spectacular. And, yeah. yeah. I, I, oh yeah. I, I really like that. The set design on a production value that band brings to brings to almost every film that he's on is at least up to par. Quick thought: Do you think Shot Factory could do a release of this like they did with Dolls? Hmm. It's an interesting thought. It's possible. Uh, well, it's, it's already. Uh, out I mean, nobody. Trolls already out. I think it's. I think they are the ones that released it. They did do a re-release of the two uh, two pack not long ago, but I don't. Yeah, know. I think that was Shout Factory that did it. It was. So really? I'm, I'm not really sure what Dustin's talking about. Yeah. So does that uh, oh. already? So Dave. Oh, I was thinking too. <laughs> hey, but hey, Dave, you didn't notice Blade though, right? You, the Charles Band connection. Oh yeah, so, it, uh, I, it, I noticed that. <laughs> there were posters for some of the full moon movies, like on the kids' uh, in the kids' bedroom. Oh yeah, for the first one, yeah, there were. Yeah, yeah they had they had a poster, a flag of Daryl Strawberry, like the uh, San Francisco 49ers. There's a bunch of those older type flags in there. So like when you go and look back on uh, movies like that, I like looking at the old uh, horror posters or even like the sport team flags. Just to, you know, it kind of brings back some memories once you look at a film that's thirty years old again. Oh yeah. Well, I, on that subject, I found it interesting that, uh, well, for uh, the first troll that you saw a lot of like you saw the dungeon master poster and you saw a few other things. Uh, it was kind of self advertising, but also. Uh, you saw 49ers and you saw, I think it was Chicago Cubs on there yep. uh, for the first one. And the second one, don't ask me how they were able to do this. I would love to, because I would love to know how they were able to do this. And the second one, they had Warner Brothers characters out the ass. Like they had Batman, Superman, uh, they had uh, the Tasmanian Devil, they had Bugs Bunny, 
They oh, had, yeah. Well, and they had Disney characters there, too. Like, they had Mickey and Minnie Mouse. They had Winnie the Pooh. And they also had uh, Garfield on there in a T-shirt. It's like, how did they get all of these copyrighted characters that are from competing co- competing companies all together in the same uh, in the same movie that's not even owned by Warner Brothers or anything like that? I really don't know, and I would love to know the answer to that. I think I noticed. Uh, I only noticed well, Garfield yeah. and Batman. Oh, there's a lot more. Well, especially back then, they 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 had to put a ban on advertisement during films, especially with um, uh, copyrights on patents and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if Charles Band though just said "fuck it" and did what he wanted, right? Because he kind of does that. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the idea was that it was so low profile they were just like, "Ah, screw it," you know, they're never going to watch this. Maybe, well, maybe I don't know. But Italy too. I was about to say in Troll 2, you know, the, technically oh. it wasn't even Charles Band that even did that one. So, although I was about to say that was the first instance where you actually had Batman and Superman both on the same screen at the same time, but they just weren't being played by horrible actors <laughs> in, at all. It's, it's making a bomb in the box office. Kim. Oh wait, never mind. This one did bomb. Never mind. <laughs> Kim. You were special. You're in the mud. Your um, take on Troll from 1989. Which one? Oh, um, is Kim still there? Oh, Kim. Uh, she had to bow out. Sorry. Oh. Oh, okay. That's okay. Um, in any case, um. Celeste, um, what, what would have been your favorite uh, character on uh, Troll? Um, I don't know if I had a favorite character. I liked the whole like setup, so I liked every what everybody contributed to it, and I thought they were all interesting. Like, I liked the brother, I liked the witch, I liked the little girl. You know, I liked the parents because they were kind of weird and quirky in their own way. Um, see. Uh, okay. Um, and uh, did you have a favorite scene? Uh, I did in Troll 2 when the kid pees on the dinner. I'd heard about that. I won't allow it. But I hadn't seen it. And I was really relieved that they didn't actually like show anything. It's like, okay, this movie's known for being really bad. What are they going to do? Oh, okay. They just cut away. Thank God. You liked Speaking it because it was very. About... You liked it because it was very autobiographical. Oh. <laughs> I do pee on my Speaking dinner, yeah. of... I thought so. Speaking about Troll Two, Troll Two was directed by Claudio Fragasso no. uh, under the pseudonym Drake Floyd. So... I because it was so bad he didn't want to associate with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the th- here's a little bit of here's a little bit of backstory on that. A little bit of backstory on that was that Claudio Fragasso is one of the most, was one of the most uh, prolific exploitation directors in Italy, and uh, was very uh, rampant with his work of all different kinds. And for whatever reason, with this film, I guess because it had some degree of American distribution, that they, uh, you know, tried their best to make it look and feel American, even though the um, crew didn't speak a lick of English and they insisted that the American actors speak the lines of dialogue as written, which is why it sounds 
so awkward um <laughs> on top of the dialogue itself being bad but it's just like their, their delivery is awkward because guess what it's written by non-english speakers so obviously it doesn't work um not, but, not uh, to mention the possibility of poison ivy being derived from uh, the credence character. Oh, that's uh, so. The uh, um, but yeah, that's that's the thing that they. Um, that's why it sounds so weird because again, it's non. That'd be like us trying to write a Chinese movie and we don't speak Chinese, um, <laughs> and. Uh, and yet they insisted that the cast say the lines exactly as written. So that's why it's got this weird, ambiguous feel to it, even though it's supposed to be an American film. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. So I think that the uh, first one, I think it had some Italian production influence as well, but I think that it uh, was a lot more American in its crew than... Uh, Second one was. Yeah, I was just about to say that, because in the second one, yeah, it was a non-English speaking crew, production team, and all that stuff, and a non-English speaking director, and it was like essentially the lines were delivered so awkwardly, and yet somehow, like the most memorable scenes in that movie were always just a horrible overacting that was done by all the actors, including the infamous Oh My God scene. They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. Oh my God! Yeah, it was the best. I, I literally I think they saw, like, oh my God, I think I know where the director from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 got his idea for Garbage Day from. You know, was from that scene alone. You know, it's like... It's so weird in the movie, but yet when you actually watch it as a whole, it's like, okay, yeah, it actually makes complete sense. And when you actually know the backstory to it, yeah, it makes complete another sense. What I can't too. understand is knowing that they do multiple takes, how that was what was chosen. <laughs> was they it probably just thought to themselves that was the most American way to do it, apparently, I guess. Maybe I the know. director just stripped down nude and, and the and the kid was like, oh my god! Well, yeah, you I know, it so. was uh, it on his face. You you know, know, been, the story would have been presented better if the grandfather uh, actually would have been sitting in a chair shirt, shirtless. Well, you know that uh, Paul Schrader for the movie The Canyons, I think, to get Lindsay Lohan out of her trailer, I think he showed up to her trailer naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! If I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but. Um, what a nasty bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of trailers and troll stuff, I looked up the name of the movie that the uh, that the young boys are watching in the trailer. Um, oh, in yeah. The, in the uh, RV, rather. And it's a mo 1983 movie called Grunts, I think. Or Grunt. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, isn't it like a Turkish uh, film? No, it's actually an Italian film. I actually... Okay. Was watching the uh, Cinemassacre Monster Madness of uh, oh, yeah. the Troll Trilogy, and they explained, you know, that it was like like so much of a random scene, like a monkey that puts down a, a glowing egg, and all of a sudden starts rocketing through his ass in the air. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I've watched. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I that's the thing. Prior to this, I've gotten 
the troll movies kind of up the ass in regard to uh, research because everybody's reviewed them. Like, oh James, yeah, well, like James Rolfe with Cinema Massacre, like uh, um, Brad Jones with uh, the Cinema Snob. He did tro- yeah. all of the troll movies, all, all, all four movies that comprise the troll trilogy. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, he's he's reviewed all of them. So believe I, me, I've I've gotten the the analysis of these movies down. I've only well. seen the first two. Yeah, I have the I've had two. Yeah, only evidently the there was a third there and a fourth. Yeah, there's there's three there's four, the four movies, Troll One, Troll Two, and then there's a movie called Quest for the Mighty Sword, which has gone. That's under, what it was. Yeah. yeah, well, it's it's gone under the name Troll alternate titles of Troll Three, A Tour Four. Uh, which is another uh, series, the Ator films. Yeah. And there's, then there's Are another. Good? There's a, I don't think so. But there's another. Uh, there's another film <laughs> called uh, the Crawl. There's another film called the Crawlers. Called the, there's another film called the Crawlers, which uh, went under the alternate titles of Contamination Point Seven, which I think is what the Scream Factory title is. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, that also had the alternate title of Troll 3. It's a little, I yeah, was talking to Troll David about Troll 3 this. was uh, from 1993. It was yeah. uh, directed by Joe Diamato and uh, Fabrizio Laurenti. Ah, uh, yeah, Joe Diamato. Uh, the other big uh, Italian exploitation director of the same period. exploitation. Yeah. And hopefully Rob Zombie can remake these. Yeah. Oh. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, lose our minds now. the interesting uh, <laughs> thing, I think, is that uh, Troll, the Troll trilogy, a.k.a. four films, technically, uh, it's kind of funny how none of those movies had anything remotely to do with each other, and yet they got strung together into a series of sorts. Not unlike the way that Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and now God Particle have been strung together into a series of sort, despite of sorts, despite the fact that none of those have anything to do with each other and were never intended to be in a series. They just kind of yeah. tooled like, into that. I, you know? If I'd seen Troll yeah. like back when it was new, and then like, oh, Troll Two, I can't wait. I would have been so pissed. Like if I didn't know about it beforehand, because Troll was wonderful and this was fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I I forgot. I wanted to talk talk about Troll. Yeah, I, I loved that. That was. But that was you have you ha- you have to think that uh, there are definitely some one-liners in Troll Two uh, that uh, that even though they were so badly set, um, that uh, that you can definitely t- uh, take them and and. Uh, Mimic them or mock them. Oh yeah, as it were, where oh, it yeah. be, and that's the thing that's that's the thing that's comedic about the film. Oh, I'm not saying it wasn't funny. It was really damn funny. Uh, <laughs> it would have just been like I was expecting a wonderful fantasy adventure, like the last time. What the fuck is this? I need beer. <laughs> Speaking of beer, uh, that has nothing to do with it. What did you guys think of the weird vegetarian thing they had going on? I was like always so confused by it. I mean, it seemed really weird and out of place and like really strongly pushed that vegetarian message. I'm like, did somebody have an agenda here? It was like, it was like 
the message was heavy handed. It was like somebody was coming at you with a bat, but they didn't know they were supposed to swing it, so they're trying to choke you with it. Yeah, it was very <laughs> ham fisted in an odd uh, way. You know what it had uh, ham fisted if, into vegetarian if thing? Were huh? Yeah, exactly. Huh? Which, uh, you know what's funny is that this movie, uh, Troll 2, is 1990, and then three years prior was the other one of the other most infamous movies of all time, Leonard Part 6, with the now equally infamous uh, Bill Cosby as the star. And uh, in there, it's all the villain is a vegetarian, and how does he defeat her with meat? You know, so it's uh, the same principle here. Yeah, not vegetarianism was not very common back then. I had trouble eating at restaurants back then. You know, it was not easy for us to travel, my family. So I was, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, that was not a very common message, so... Well, not only that, but it's, I mean, it was like any kind of emerging subculture, emerging minority group in that time that it's like the other. And so inevitably when a movie comes out, it's like, oh, it's that weird thing that we need to talk about because it's topical, but we're not going to treat it in any kind of dignified fashion because it's not acceptable yet. Right. They were, they were, still, e they were still eating, as I thought, they were still eating meat. It was just meat processed into like plant matter it's like it's like it was like oh my god it was soiling green all over again it's ah! people ah! so ah! we're eating the purple like it was so dumb well, you know, that was actually the one thing I was going to point out that I thought it was like the weirdest thing it's like it was reverse <laughs> veganism almost like you know they're going from meat to plantation and it's like how in god like I actually would love to actually ask a vegan's opinion on this because, you know, to see, you know, what they think about this. Because I think it's kind of a bit of an oxymoron. But, you know, then again. You ask know, away. You're up. So ask well, to it. Well, it's like, it's so weird. Like, okay, you go from like flesh and bones to like plant matter. And then you're being devoured like, you know, like cannibals almost. It's like, it's cannibalism, but it's like with vegetation. It's. I, it, it boggles my brain too much, you know. <laughs> Although it kind of reminds me of um, the new trauma movie, uh, Return to Newcomb High, when they're kind of making fun of the whole organic food stuff, you know, the trauma organic uh, food stuff company, you know, where it's like it's like they literally say, you know, you know, they have this toxic green goop, and they're going, "Oh, you want to go green? Well, you can't get any more green than this." And I'm like. That's literally what it reminds me of. Like, I'm looking at this, it's like, okay, you know, I've heard of going green, but this is just absolutely ridiculous, beyond all belief, in my right. opinion. You know? Because, like, you have milk, which obviously is not a vegan option, okay? By a long shot. Um, you know, but you have everything else in there, you know, you have, like, apples and corn and um, all this other... And the weird thing was the food in there, okay? I don't know if anyone's going to talk about this, but the food in there looked like freaking desserts. Okay, it was it nasty looking. It was like it was like that weird, like kind of like um desserts you would see at, like parties and all that stuff. Like, like that Jello wanna... that kind of looked like uh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, the, in those bunk cake type. Yes, or that green shapes. goop. Yeah, or even that green fluff stuff and all that stuff. I yeah, love it. In the Somebody first one, creepy crawlered these bastards. 
In the first one, they got those uh, burgers from that joint when they were all sitting on the floor eating them, and those rat burgers look nasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rat burgers. Guacamole. Guacamole. So speaking of trolls and milk, interesting historical context that the very next year, 1991, was Ernest Scared Stupid, which the uh, big weakness, yes. yeah, the big weakness of the troll was milk. So, or uh, Miak. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Ernest and Miak. You never thought I could put it around this time of the year. Mistakes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, uh, it was suspiciously trolls. I don't know what the uh, connection is with uh, milk and trolls, if that was intentional. Um, um, well, I think, like, in Ernest Scared Stupid, they actually did kind of explain it to see that, you know, um, part of a child, you know, a mother's love, and all yeah. of a sudden they just realized, oh, wait, milk, of course. You know, so, it's like... So bre oh, breast milk wins the day, basically. Yes. Always. Hooray for boobies. Yes, and indeed. Now... Give it up for the left-heading lassies. Have, have well, and, and, and similarly in Troll 2, it's the power of goodness that defeats the goblins. So, I, yeah. I thought it was a trip. I thought it was a double-decker bologna sandwich that won the day. Well, that too. But um, <laughs> so we're yeah we're tying it in with Leonard Part Six and Ernest Scared Stupid. So there's like this big elaborate. It the the, <clears throat> the the mythology is more elaborate than the Pixar theory. I was just about to say that. We're coming up with like more theories than anything else. I know. And we're not but, even uh, that's right now. Illuminati. Yeah, it's, it's a very odd kind of confluence of uh, coincidentally uh, similar things all at the same time period. Um, but uh, And I highly doubt that they had anything to do with each other in any kind of direct, influential kind of way. Um, but... There is still, but, you know, a somewhat semblance of uh, con uh, connection in, uh, in 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 more ways than, I guess, one. <laughs> You're well, right. Well, that's that, that is kind of the funny thing, actually. Now that you bring that up, that uh, that was something that uh, Brad Jones, the cinema snob, had brought up was that even though the movies, uh, the Troll series, they didn't have anything to do with each other, that there was this kind of odd thematic or stylistic similarities in the sense, especially like he was saying that Troll 2 and Troll 3, which would have been Contamination Point 7, that they both had that kind of Italian production that's trying to hard, too hard to be American feel. They got plants, they got, you know, just a similar way of delivering the lines. And then between Troll 1 and Troll 2, you have, uh, you know, relatively similar looking creatures even though obviously trolls and goblins aren't the same but you got also a heavy emphasis on vegetation and you know fantasy and storybooks and all that stuff so they may not be quite as far away as we think although interestingly enough though with troll 2 there is a weird connection i have actually found with silent night deadly night with the grandpa okay. oh yeah it was kind of like i watching it i'm like going Wait, isn't that the grandpa from Silent Night, Deadly Night? And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, like, eerily, like, it's so weird how the grandpa just shows up out of nowhere, you know, like, he's been dead. But then you have, like, you know, the grandpa in Silent Night, Deadly Night, who's just pretty much brain dead until he's all alone with a kid. And all of a sudden he comes up with the insane theory about Santa Claus and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, what is it with the 80s of, like, crazy old men? I mean, it's like... You always have these crazy people in these movies, and they're always old and decrepit. 
It's almost like they're trying to say like they were predicting senileism or um, <laughs> Alzheimer's long before it was even a thing. No, I think <laughs> a lot of them are retired priests. I think so. That that's where you get that from. Ah, that. <laughs> the uh, well, I knew I thought the little Father McFelt me up in that. <laughs> yes, you, know, you, it's, you know what's <laughs> you know what's funny is that uh, you could easily do some kind of uh, either a sincere or a parody uh, academic analysis about how Troll Two is really a metaphor for a child having to come to grips with his grief over his grandfather's death. Oh, well, you could you could think about it like that, but. The grandpa thing, like, it was cool, but it was really, it seemed to have kind of its own rules. It's like, oh, that's so sad. He's, like, seeing his grandpa, you know. And then, like, you know, it, it plays like grandpa is just in the kid's mind for almost the whole thing. And then at the end, you know, grandpa is, like, punching out dudes. And it's like, wait, what's happening? Is he <laughs> He's a ghost. And then, yeah, like, he gets, like, a, 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 a benevolent spirit. He kicks ass for the Lord. Yeah, Daddy dies. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the grandpa in uh, Santa's sleigh. You know, he's like, he's an orange yeah. angel sent down from heaven to fight the forces of evil. You know, he has to be nice for a thousand evil. years. Yeah, my chocolate. <laughs> oh, and here's a question I had: was what was the deal with the the um, the mole that they all had in the shape of a leaf? Is that just a sign that they were goblins, or what? Huh. Well, I was. Uh, that's the uh, that's the thing that I, I was curious about uh, because uh, four leaf clovers that's more of an Irish thing. Yeah, so I was about to say. Yeah, it, it, it's like um, goblins are more different. More Norse mythology. Well, but there's a, then you got the, then you got the druids in there, you know. And Germans, Germans well, well, love that kind of stuff. Damn dirty crowds. Oh, so they're like, <laughs> they're like throwing all kinds of stuff in the mix. I think what they just pretty much did. I think anything from Europe, fans, European fantasy, huh? Yeah, I think, I guess. So, no, I think they took think every they European trying. fantasy and threw it into a blender and just hit frappe. You know, <laughs> they came up with Troll too. Well, that's kind of what we do anyway. Like we, <laughs> and then we, we go did, to the yeah. dollar store and grab whatever masks they could find. Those exactly. masks were awful. They were they awful were masks. They really were so awful. bad. They were totally awful. Totally <laughs> awful. I was like, how could people like look at this and think this was okay? The, uh, they almost kind of reminded me. Um, th uh, there was this um, version of uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers that uh, Keanu Reeves was in with. Um, um, oh, you're thinking of Babes in Toyland. Yeah, yeah Babes in Toyland from 1993, and there uh, there was yeah. this uh, eyeless bird was in there, uh, there, and it kind of reminded me of how crappy the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, suits and masks were. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there, it was almost much. like the giant claw, almost. You know, it was like it was so bad, but yet, you know, it was like it was absolutely over the top ridiculous. But yet, somehow people thought, oh well, this is going to be totally believable. Uh, I think and the yeah, giant claw actually worked a little bit better. Good point. <laughs> Maybe the whole movie was just made for kids' imagination, and adults really shouldn't look at it because kids might actually find that stuff believable and fun. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Which, Very true. Uh, that's a possibility. It's a possibility. When you're looking at it like from a child's perspective, scene if it's meant for kids. That, that was oh, yeah. a thing. Has, has any of us seen uh, the film when we were a child? Just no. No. Ah, uh, we were like what? 
three. Troll two. I wasn't even born when those movies came out. <laughs> I was in the war, man. I was in the war. <laughs> he was out of the bunker. <laughs> he died but, uh, face down in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Getting get that old radio signal, eh? God damn it, I love that. I love that line. <laughs> the... Um, what I find kind of interesting with um, well, two, two things. We got the corn seduction. Oh, God. Interesting, that shall the, we say. That was so corny. I, I couldn't even. I couldn't Quite literally, it. it was corny. I really didn't have an ear for it. I really think they were just husking it at this point. You know? They were. Which, I mean, uh, <laughs> what, but, the thing but, that's funny is that that scene was like you had to take like two short steps and it would have been like a porn scene. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I was waiting on. <laughs> that's probably but, where a lot of the um, splashing sites are coming uh, from. Perhaps. But, let's, uh, take, uh, let's take me like, back to Troll uh, tro- uh, 1 uh, uh, with, uh, with how young... Uh, do another corn? The... Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you, she, she just went there. He <laughs> walks among the corn. But the um, the other thing that's interesting in Troll One, as we have somewhat touched on, is Mother the, Abigail. The fact that uh, it has that Troll One has a surprising amount of similarities to Harry Potter, uh, even though that obviously didn't first book didn't come out until I think ninety seven. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I had heard that claim from uh, both the cinema snob and from James Rolfe, and uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's just a you know coincidence or whatever." But the funny part is when you actually watch it, you're like, "Huh, this has a lot more in common with it than you'd think." Exactly. Um, the name yeah, is Harry Potter and there's magic, but that's all about. Well, there's there's magic. There's you know trolls. The story structure. It's power of goodness. Power of goodness, and it's also a kid having to go face these creatures and challenges um, to save. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Chamber of Secrets a little bit. Uh, yeah. In the, climax, uh, in the climax, and the witch is very, very similar. That's to right. Professor. There is that, uh, well, that Harry po- uh, Potter angle. Well, that and she's, uh, she's and very. Really on that? Well, she's very similar to Professor McGonagall in a way. Um, I can see and, that. Uh, yeah, she yeah. has a similar look and role. And um, well, and you've got yeah, you kind of the. Lot. I've never watched Harry Potter. Well, you've got like the kind of. Ten- I've never read Harry Potter. You've got like I the kind of tenement apartment uh, environment, which is similar to Surrey, even though there it was a house. But in England, obviously, in that neighborhood, the houses are like very much smaller and more identical than they are here. But um, oh yeah, same same kind of principle. No glasses on the child, but. His uh his attire actually Harry Potter Junior's attire was actually pretty similar to Harry's uh, outside of his school uniform I mean, um, but uh, yeah I find that kind of interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it was. But bottom line is it was beyond just a mere coincidence of the name. It was uh, similar with theme, certain kind of characters, certain little details like that. So you think that Broad stole it from uh, Charles Band? Oh. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I highly doubt that. I, ha- it, it, I highly it, doubt it too. But at the same time, it's one of those things where uh, 
Yeah, well, to be fair, like J.K. Rowling wasn't the first person to do a wizard or witches. I mean, those have been around forever. Neither was J.R.R. Tolkien to do any of that stuff, to do elves, yeah. or elves or dwarves or anything. I mean, some of that stuff is just ingrained in, you know, uh, European folklore and everything. They had kind of a little bit of a token, almost like a little token, token kind of theme in there, like with the professor. And what's up with that uh, breaking into song and making it an almost musical? The first. Oh, one. okay. So that scene was actually supposed to be a lot longer. Mm. It was actually supposed to be a musical number, but unfortunately, due to like time constraints and all that stuff, and I think like budget um, and all that stuff, they basically just had all the uh, trolls and goblins and all that stuff just basically grunting, basically. <laughs> You know, to the music and all that stuff. It was actually supposed to be like an actual musical number in there. Like I actually watched like. like um, I'm glad you cut that out. Could it have the movie for me? Yeah, we could do without that. True. I liked uh, that Frank Welker. I actually wouldn't mind seeing uh, an uncut version of the film, uh, just to see. Uh, what what the musical number would have actually yeah. sounded yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, anybody who's a fan of voice acting will recognize Frank Welker as the uh, voice of Torok the Troll when he's in his troll. Oh, oh that kind of reminds me. Yeah. Is it, when he's is in possible troll form. that the yeah. Japanese game was, uh, 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 or or the uh, the Turok? The game was actually no. It's uh, that's T U from that's that's T U T U R O K instead of T U R O K. Like Turok is totally different. I I love Turok by the way. Uh, I do too. Incredible. Uh, Oh yeah. Turok is like a Native American who fights dinosaurs and like has high tech guns. It's 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 hard to explain, but Turok Turok is totally different and great. Uh, in I just had a random thought there. I thought, he was, I thought it was Ethiopian. Um, I think he is... Oh, what was... I think Kiowa Apache is the one from the... is where he's... is like his tribe in the 90s. I want to say. Hmm. That sounds that sounds right. Uh, sorry if I'm wrong. Uh, and anybody happens to be listening. Just Google And my favorite it. character in, uh, in Troll was definitely Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, Gary. Was that Gary Shanley? No, I was. I, I'm talking about the talking mushroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. AKA Toad. That thing was cute. <laughs> AKA the thing that sounded like Minnie Mouse screaming whenever it talked. Yeah, oh. a little bit. <laughs> it was adorable. Oh, I loved it though. It was so cute. <laughs> And the way it's yeah, hidden, though, it's like absolutely. That is really cute. That's really cute. And that's another that's another element that's kind of similar to at least early Harry Potter is that they could actually have some cute creatures in there. Not on on the mandrakes in Chamber of Secrets were not terribly cute, but they were like anthropomorphic planted creatures. Um, the mushroom in this one was a lot cuter, but it's the same. Well, it's a mandrake. You know the mythology behind that, right? Yeah, I do. But I mean, I'm saying that the. Are well, you saying that the mushroom was a different form of it, or? Uh, no, I'm just saying that you know, like a friendly talking mushroom. It's magical. Just well, yeah, magical. You don't yeah, necessarily. Those aren't supposed to be cute. 
Oh, if, I, if, I if you think of it in to, uh, token mythology, uh, gee, uh, all all things, whether it was trees, um, um, plants, everything used to be alive, and uh, uh, used to be able to talk, including animals and what, uh, whatnot. So there used to be spirits w uh, within. I think that I think they used to talk to the people that used to eat the mushrooms. Then they would. Who would think they were talking to him? I, get, I think you're getting confused. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> no, you mean anyway. it. called Shrooms. It was pretty good. Uh, Shrooms <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in any case, um, uh, did anyone else have anything else to add? Uh, actually, huh? I thought it was interesting when you brought up uh, J.K. Rowling with that... Uh, before actually though it is known that she does that she has borrowed heavily from other sources for harry potter i mean worst witch for instance was uh pretty much i mean shoot they even sued her because of similarities so it wouldn't surprise me if she had seen this and said you know i can use this this and this for me yeah which i mean well and she even said that her big influences were i think the works of jane austen and uh older British boarding school literature. Um, I did you, not get any oh. Jane Austen from it. <laughs> from Harry Potter? Not at all. Well, that's what, well, I don't know if that's necessarily what went into her writing. And I think it's just more the idea that she wasn't really trying to write a children's book per se, but more like a book that anybody could enjoy without like a specific demographic, even though it got marketed towards children by a scholastic in, in our country. But right. um, yeah, but it's it. She took a lot of influence from older literature and from uh, like that British boarding school fiction, which I guess was a genre um, at the time uh, in older in years past. Like Jane Eyre, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I do uh, think. But again, the point needs to remain that uh, she was not the first one to do witches and wizards. She wasn't. Uh, you know, I mean, all of that stuff is all uh, taken from someplace and repurposed. I mean, that's all what fiction is, you know. And um, Troll and Troll 2, same kind of idea, uh, taking mythology and repurposing it for your own needs. Um, the one thing we can say with J.K. Rowling is that her uh, internal logic and internal mythology seems to hold up a whole lot better than Troll 2, which mixes goblins <laughs> with vegetarianism, with uh, a grandpa that's a ghost, but he's not a ghost, but he is a ghost, but he's not a ghost. And I was watching kids. Troll 2 and trying to figure out where the, uh, where, uh, where the trolls were. Uh, oh, I, no. I don't know about you. Well, they never, they yeah, never showed up. Maybe they were in the Maybe they were in the post-credit post, post scene. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which no. one? <laughs> <laughs> this is something. This is something I kind of really want. I really wanted to touch on with the first troll, um, like the English professor, like his character. Oh yeah. Um, there were there was when he gets turned like into an elf. Like the scene before that had an awful lot more depth than I was really expecting from a movie like this. Like I watched that, that like wow. You know, he's talking yeah. about, you know, like, finding out, you know, he wouldn't grow, like, what his condition was, and, you know, how he wished he could escape into fantasy. 
and you know, you find out he's an English professor, and he's he's sort of describing like Tolkien-esque things. Yeah, and um, he didn't like chocolate milk either. Yeah, <laughs> it's it interesting that yeah, you're right. That it had a lot of. I'm talking about like the poignancy of that sensitivity. Yeah. Um, just a random, uh, just a random the, thought here. But, well, the, uh, but, uh, the, but the, the young actor. witch, the young what? witch, well, the young witch. Switched? When they switched, uh, when, when they switched, um, when she came up after, you know, the uh, the uh, actually when you saw her going through the foolery or whatnot, she kind of reminded me of um, the um, blonde that was in Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh, oh, which was yeah. She kind of reminded me of uh, her in a in a sense when I saw her. Uh, towards the end, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't her per se. It's just it, it, it was just a random thought that passed through my mind. I, I was thinking. Oh, this is inter interesting that June Lockhart was Eunice St. Clair, and then her daughter Anne Lockhart was young Eunice St. Clair. So that's how they were able to do that. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if they were the same person and they just aged her up or what, but that explains it. But what's what's interesting is that I, I always I really did think that that character of Malcolm Mallory was interesting, partially because it gave the actor Phil Fondacaro um, gave him some screen time outside of the troll suit, but it also um, created a kind of interesting. Well, yeah, because he was also Torok the troll, but it gave him some screen time outside of that. But it also uh, kind of created a a tie between. Uh, Torak and a human who was, you know, obviously uh, has dwarfism and wants to escape from reality. The yeah, well, the reality and the body in which one happens to ha happens to have been born. So, mm. I mean, that that could be a movie in and of itself. Um, yeah, right. You could yeah. you could tell that Torak had some kind of like admirate has like an admiration or or something for that. He was like, you know, because Torak was a human, was he was turned into a troll, and he was like. You're okay with it. Yeah. Well, it was Michael Moriarty, not Michael Myers. Well, and also the fact that um, I, I really thought that the character of Torok was interesting in the sense that he uh, is the antagonist, and yet he had his, and he turns people into creatures and all that, but he is very tender towards them and, you know, seems to care for, the, um, for Wendy and for Mal uh, Malcolm Mallory and so he's and he's got that kind of interesting really expressive face that has a lot of intelligence behind it but it can also look scary and uh, I just I have to give him a lot of credit for having a very nuanced uh, face for that creature that could be expressive within the makeup yeah right. like in that scene I was like is is he gonna do something good for this guy yeah it's like, well, it was sort of hard to tell because it's like, okay, are they being killed? Are being they being more from the being more from the creatures? And this was definitely far less seemed far less violent and like almost a good deed. Like it was. Yeah. Which, correct me uh, or, or enlighten me, but I don't recall in any other uh, literature, fairy tales, or folklore that I've read that. I don't know of uh, trolls having magic rings, but then again, uh, this is a witch that has like a. Uh, well, she's Power got of the Schwartz. 
Yeah, well, she's got the, <laughs> he's got the power of the Schwartz, and he, she's got a sword on the wall, not unlike Gandalf, but she's also got this uh, uh, kind of fence spike, which uh, <laughs> substitutes for a uh, a wand or a staff. Um, <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do with that, harpoon a whale? I guess. I mean, whatever does it for you, does it for you. Uh, Arr, she blows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like how she just had like random weapons. This isn't a wizard staff. This is Hammond's staff. Yeah, which yeah, I got uh, it from Aquaman. Which I mean, <laughs> give, him, give him credit though for doing something different than the usual wander staff. I'll give him that. Um, and I also like that uh, you had a. The princess will marry me. Well, and also, um, inconceivable. Also, give credit for <laughs> this princess being becoming the witch, but also becoming a very take charge person, um, and who uses a sword. Again, this is pre film version of Lord of the Rings, uh, at least yeah. live action. Live action. I mean, they had the animated one and they had the books, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, is that good, Bookie Man? Yeah, but they had uh, <laughs> they had. Uh, a you know witch or wizard having a sword and having something different than your usual staff or wand and a strong female character in this uh, rather unexpected place or time which is kind of neat who was yeah, who, I agree. who who was formerly a princess so you got it all going on cuz i don't think disney's ever done that where they had a princess become a witch but not like a they've at least uh, sh uh, shown a princess um, uh, uh, from a previous movie um, in almost every princess film. Well, and they've had uh, they had Elsa who has powers, uh, but uh, it's not quite the same thing. Um, Which in yeah, because you actually see uh, see um, uh, the Tangled prin uh, Princess in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like a frying pan. She yeah. can uh, she can use that frying pan even more than Peach can in terms of. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> like whoever wrote that deserves a medal. She's got quite, the, she's got quite the forehand for that. <laughs> um, In any case, oh, did anyone else what, have? Uh, go ahead. With uh, real quick, like with the what you mentioned about, you know, it's like, you know, wizards don't usually like have weapons like that. Um, it reminds me of a line from the Lost World Jurassic Park, like the the book. Oh yeah. Uh, it's something, something to the effect of, you know, too many scientists are so focused on being complete nerds. You know, so-and-so, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but who they talk about. You know, he was able to win. He was a gold medal Olympiad. He was a gold medal Olympiad. He was a gold medal, like, runner or something. I can't remember the word they used. Um, while also having, like, a Nobel Prize. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, you can be smart and be active and, like, forceful. Right. So... Alrighty. Um, did uh, anyone else have anything else to add? Uh, did they, did we actually talk about the uh, the fact that the Troll uh, 2's director, of course, still fights today, but that is, this film is a great film. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in the way you think it is. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, Classic. Well, that, that, that runs me up another random line. Uh, from a class of 1984. It's like, you know, I think he's a real brilliant kid. Well, so was the Marquis de Sade. Uh -huh. Which, okay, here's a, here's, a, here's a question for the group. Because we've watched Troll 2 and we've watched The Room, both of which are kind of 
some of the ultimate so bad at their good movies, at least in terms of the public opinion. Troll 2 often gets the title of best worst movie, even to the point of having the documentary best worst movie named after that designation. But Which was directed by the child star yeah, in the film. And, and yet, The Disaster Artist, the book about the making of The Room, is getting made into this potentially Oscar-worthy film uh, directed by James Franco and starring James Franco. So then that question then becomes, uh, how do we compare the two in terms of so bad their goodness? Well, you know, it's kind of like, it's interesting. Um, I think if it's a so bad it's good movie, it has to have somewhat of a cult following. Yeah. Much like um, something like uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, okay? <laughs> like, that has an ultimate cult following right there. You know, and unfortunately with um, The Room and um, Troll 2 now being, like, so embedded in, like, the mainstream... They really don't have much of a cult following anymore because everyone kind of knows all about both of these movies. Yeah. And so it's kind of like it started they're going to they lost their cult status like you know when a lot of, when they became really popular and all that stuff. Well, I, well, I then give you gotta, it to Troll 2 because the room was just bad. It wasn't even good at all. Huh. I the, other, the other thing you got to throw in I there... Could, I could watch Troll 2 again. I won't watch it. I have to agree with um, last on it being a totally bad film. I, I would, I would rather, I'd much rather watch The Room again, personally, but... <laughs> well, but anyway, the other, oh the my other one. Oh god, you're a fucking saddest dude. That movie well, the, wanted me to shoot uh, myself in the balls, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> the other one that we're forgetting about is the movie Ed Wood, based on the films of. Oh Ed yeah, Wood, which, yeah, that was which, fucking bad. Which the, the I movie, love that movie. Now that the movie Ed Wood is movie I love. Oh, yeah, I love it too. But the movie Ed Wood is an Oscar-winning film, like two Oscars. And it's based on the quote-unquote worst director ever, his work. So I guess at the point of what I'm trying to get across is that you can have these movies that get lambasted by critics, by most people, and yet they can get a loving, supportive fan base over the years. And uh, the, the derivative media about the phenomenon can then be this great, these great works of art. Um, so uh, bottom line is that I, there is hope even for uh, for the works that get derided that they can be beloved in their own way. And uh, there's always, well, there's a place for that because uh, there is something, to, like there's a great, uh, it was in Roger, Siskel and Ebert, they did a review of the movie Ed Wood and Roger Ebert told the story of the Hollywood producer who had, don't know if you kind of like the incredibly strange creeper, creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Yeah, I, I don't remember the producer's name, but he told the story of a Hollywood producer who would stand up and applaud at every movie he saw because he understood how hard it was to get a movie made. Hmm. And um, that was sort of the philosophy of the movie Ed Wood. And I would dare say that to a certain degree, movies that are so lambasted but they also you can tell had a lot of heart in them or had a lot of uh passion even though the finished product didn't work out as well or they uh didn't work out in the way that mainstream audiences are used to experiencing film um 
I think with the room, we, uh, you have you have uh, two different like mixed crowds, uh, 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 oh, uh, two different sides of, uh, of a coin, and yeah, you uh, well, you, you're you either going to love it any, or hate it. Yeah, well, you do with any any one of those, you know, because there's people who just will not get it, no matter what, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But the, the point is that uh, regardless, that any film is difficult to make, and I know that. From having done it, you know, many times, at least on the short film level, uh, any film is difficult to make, and uh, you hope it turns out good. Sometimes it's your own hubris that brings you down. Sometimes it's forces beyond your control, uh, whatever it is. But it's um, nonetheless uh, the same forces that create a masterpiece can also create a film that is not well received at its time, and yet finds an audience over time so we kind of have to give our hats off a little bit to stuff that gets a fan base even if we're not necessarily involved in it because uh that's a whole lot more than a lot of films get where they just get forgotten and no one ever thinks about them again no that's true that uh that makes me think of there was a show called mission hill it was like an animated series and they oh my god yes yeah plan nine for mission hill they did an episode where like it's basically everything you just you just said uh dane yeah Uh, so one of the it's about like characters who live in an apartment building and one of them is this old guy um like he lives with his with his boyfriend um and at some point, one of the characters finds out, oh, you used to do movies? And they find his movie, which is very clearly supposed to be Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, and he convinces the local theater like to play it, not realizing like how horribly ashamed of it this guy is. Uh, and it ends up becoming extremely <laughs> popular. And, you know... Throughout the course of the episode, you see kind of, you know, what happened. Like, originally, you know, it had a great script. It had, like, big-name actors. Um, and things just kind of kept happening. Um, like the director, like he fell in love with the guy that he's in, that he's with now, and mm-hmm. you know, asked him in the movie. And you know, they were kind of, they were rejected for that. You know, there's there's a line where like uh, the actor who was going to play the lead was Charlton Hestopoulos. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> scene where they shortened it to Charlton Heston and all that stuff. <laughs> And there's there's a line there's a line where it's like, how did that guy get this? How did that guy get this part? Anything he did, I can do better. And somebody whispers in his ear, and he's like, Fine. I ain't doing that. Um, <laughs> there's actually a lot of real world validity to back up what you're saying. Like, uh, there's a great documentary called uh, Tales from the Script. I think came out in 2009. It was all about screenwriters' experiences in Hollywood, and one of them, I can't remember who. Uh, was saying that I think that he said I think the general public would be shocked to see how many movies that turn out poorly actually started off as good scripts, um, which is I'm sure very true that you have a germ of an idea was something that people thought was worth pursuing, and then either the corporate element Jerry rigged with it, or I assume in the I mean, sometimes you get weird eccentrics like Claudio Fragasso, like uh, Tommy Wiseau and all that. Sometimes you get the corporate entity that just monkeys with it too much and it becomes a fraction of what it could have been. Mm -hmm. So all those things can happen. Um, And uh, I do think that generally speaking, in terms of bad movies that get a following, I think a lot of them, more often than not, tend to be the works of 
eccentrics like Ed, like Edward D. Wood Jr., like Tommy Wiseau, like Claudio Fragasso, and uh, people that are auteurs in their own right. Uh, they just happen to not fall in line with that which most audiences are used to experiencing from film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I do think we need to give our to uh, tip our hats to those people that uh, that come along and are able to do that which most filmmakers would dream of doing, even though the route that they took to get there was sort of a backwards, twisty, turny route. Yeah, and the episode had a, like a really good ending too. Like he finally goes into the theater. Um, they have a great running gag with the theater where it's like you know one night only, you know. Encore performance extended through the week, <laughs> playing next six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. At the, end Monday, of the- Monday, Monday. at the end of the episode, <laughs> he finally goes to a screening of this movie that he's been embarrassed about for almost his whole life, um, and he's sitting like behind a couple of guys, and they're like, "Wow, this is awesome, man! Whoever found this deserves a medal." What about the guy who directed it? And he just kind of smiles, like, "Yeah." And that's the end of the episode, and it. It was really lovely. It's I think it's actually on YouTube. Plan Nine from Mission Hill. Um, <laughs> we'll see that. In any case, is there any other uh, thing anyone wants to speak up about? Well, I guess no? just to kind of put a capper on it, at least for me, it would be that regardless of this is just kind of to whoever's out there listening who's a filmmaker, whatever uh, kind of thing you want to do, whatever kind of film you want to make. As uh, as Lloyd Kaufman quoting Shakespeare would say, uh, "To thine own self be true." So, in other words, you know, make that which speaks to you most, what matters in your heart, uh, and make it however you, how you want to make it, and do it with every ounce of sincerity and hard work that you have to give. And uh, whether it comes out in such a way that everyone loves it immediately or whether it happens to be lucky enough to get a fan base through a less conventional means, uh, I think that sincerity and total commitment is what makes those things special and what makes them happen. Um, Because again, there's masterpieces that take off right away. There's, uh, you know, films that take a while to get going. And then there's stuff like Troll 2 or The Room, which uh, take the ultimate kind of back roads to finding an audience, but uh, I really do think if there's one magic ingredient, if there is one, it would be uh, sincerity and total commitment, which has technically two, but two ingredients, but whatever. Alrighty. Um, well, um, I think I'm going to wrap this up uh, 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 here. I think we uh, definitely had some very good point uh, points to know, uh, tonight. Thank you, everyone. Um, uh, uh, does anyone have any ideas about what, uh, what they want to talk next week? Yes. I still say killer lizards. <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> Celeste? Tokyo Zombie. Ooh. Oh. I, think, I think we should do a trauma film eventually. Well, let us do Tokyo Zombie first. Yay! Why not? And then maybe we'll pick a... Actually, I'm thinking the German film, Killer Condoms. Oh, yeah. Oh. I haven't seen that one yet, actually. Oh, hell yeah, man. That's the one that I want to see. <laughs> oh, they <laughs> 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 
It's a story. It's a story of your life. I know. Just, just calm down, okay? Man, I can't wait till I see you in real life, Dan. I'm gonna knock this shit out of you, boy. I know. We're uh, we're very anxious to see your uh, sordid tale on screen. Uh, but just, just calm down. We'll get there. Just relax. Yeah, I'll, I'll let your, I'll let, I'll let your buddies at the uh, docks know that it's screening, so they can all show up and support you. <laughs> 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 All righty. Um, yeah. Celeste. Have you um, been an asteroid your whole life, Dane? <laughs> I mean, like your whole fucking life. You might need like, some. You might need some astroglide for that. <laughs> Celeste, why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about what you do and where where you're from? All right, I'm Celeste. I am a co-host on the horror host TV show, Dead Girls Dark Coffin Classics. Um, you can find our stuff on vimeo.com slash ddcc. I'm also the host for the Milwaukee Burlesque Troupe, Glamour Junkies Burlesque. You can find us on Facebook at Glamour Junkies. Just look that up. Alrighty. Um, Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? And Drew? Ah, yes. Hello. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what he, you do? He was hoping that you would address him by his secret name, Cheeky Monkey. Okay, Cheeky, okay, cheeky Monkey. Oh, Shoot. stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> That's what his buddies by the docks know him as. Okay. No, no, no. They only know me as... Hey, man! <laughs> Where are these docks that you keep talking about? Yeah. Oh, you, you know, you, you, it's you, a club. If you don't know about the docks, you don't need to know about the docks. You, you know what it is. <laughs> I, I saw you there last night. <laughs> um, okay. about third and north. I went on like a dead by daylight rampage last night. Like I played till like six a.m. So, so that's what they, so that's what they that's what they call it these days. Damn, you must have went through a whole <laughs> bottle of lotion, buddy. <laughs> I did drink a lot. You're not uh, supposed to drink the lotion, Dustin. You'll get sick. You put the lotion, put the lotion on, on the, the skin. Otherwise, it gets the hose again. That was like that the was yoga like, hose. That was like Buffalo Bill trying to be British. Yes, yes, Dan. You put the lotion on the skin. Andrew, why don't you uh, uh, why why don't you uh, continue and tell us what uh, uh, what you do, I do. Where you're from? Ah, yes. Uh, my name is Andrew Tromaton. I am from out of the lovely small community of Tromaville, Illinois, uh, that was built upon ancient Indian burial grounds, which uh, ancient Tromahawk sacred Indian burial ground. Exactly, which uh, has now a toxic waste dump on top of it. I live in a small, tiny shack. Right next to some uh, radiation barrels is where I broadcast out of my lovely abode known as Tromadu. Um, I usually do a live cast uh, horror thing uh, review show called the Horrible Horrors Reviews on uh, Facebook and all that stuff. Um, wow, can I follow you? Why, yes. Yes, you can. Thank you, sir. He'll call and, the police, um, though, so be careful. Yeah, I know. I was just about to say. Well, it depends. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I also am uh, in the midst of working on a new band called The Radiations. Uh, basically, a more, uh, more or less a newer uh, horror punk band that is more or less a hybrid of my old band, The Traumatons, uh, which has more of a sort of a Voltaire kind of approach to it, if you will. If anyone's ever heard of a really old Vol- Voltaire. Yeah, I have. Don't you touch me because I'm evil. There I've you met, go, exactly. I've met, I've met him. He's nice. I actually have a friend <laughs> of mine that actually uh, works with him a lot, actually. And um, I actually just recently was listening to his kids' album. Um, uh, was it Spooky Songs for Creepy Kids? And my three-year-old niece absolutely loves the song Brains. Oh, she yeah, from, from Billy and Mandy, yeah. Exactly. She loves dancing to that. But um, I love that song, and I love that show. Oh, so do I. Um, I miss Billy and Mandy. Me but too. yeah, I basically have a uh, vast knowledge of useless trivia for anything horror movie related, uh, including Troma and all that stuff. And I actually work for Troma as the uh, official Chicagoland uh, toxi. Yeah. And all that stuff. And of course, Celeste can attest to this because uh, she has amazing butt rubbing skills. <laughs> and. Um, it was very lucky I was wearing a tutu over those tights. Otherwise, it would have been very awkward. <laughs> to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, fun time. Brandon, why don't you exactly. tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you do and where you're from? Yes, uh, well, I uh, run a YouTube channel uh, called Septum Sin versus the World. Uh, we are in the midst of our Halloween celebration, where we are uh, currently... Uh, Posting a review of a horror movie uh, every day. Uh, currently in the Camp Blood series. Uh, just recently posted a review for part two today. Um, so that's pretty much uh, what we do. Um, we always like subscribers and views. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think you turned into a werewolf there for a minute. Oh, we're doing it. It's it's getting into my transformation period. (coughs) I think that there's some Tampax for that. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Uh, Even that shit don't work on me. Dane's got to pull him off. I get jockey first. (laughs) Um. So anyway, yeah, um, I'm Dane Kyle, the uh, resident independent writer-director of the uh, show based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, my channel is the Dane Kyle, K-E-I-L, and there you can watch my black-and-white German expressionist silent film Eternus, which has just gotten accepted into the American Horrors uh, Film Festival. And, yes, thank you. And um, just got shown on Dudger's Dark Coffin Classics. Yay! Uh, yeah, after uh, Nosferatu. You can watch the trailer for my uh, black and white uh, film noir, uh, which should hopefully be done before too long. And it's still been lingering. It's been languishing in post uh, for a while. And plus, um, I'm getting ready to shoot a short film for a horror, anth- horror anthology and uh, casting is starting up on my first feature. So a uh, lot of important things coming my way. Very cool. Um, and um, Tito, 
why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what you do, where you're from? I'm from Detroit. Uh, I do have a house these days. Um, I was in Gay for Prey. <laughs> and uh, I was just an extra. I was a protester that just got released by Rock Bottom Video. Uh, I've been in a couple other films, also produced a couple films. I've been thinking about uh, actually doing a film with uh, some cartoon figures and putting something together, but I haven't started yet. Um, cartoon I, I figures, know. like something like Cool World? or No, nah, pretty much like uh, superheroes. I got a bunch of crazy shit I'm going to put together and uh, mix things up. You know, maybe have some fucking rape scenes. Something that you really enjoy, my man. Yeah, it's fun for the whole family. No, I ain't worried about the family and the kids, man. Lock them motherfuckers up. <laughs> Lock them up so that you can get to them later. That's what you're saying. Fuck, dude. We can't eat meat, man, so they're no good. You know what I mean? Well, well, that's, why we get, that's why we get the goblins to convert them into plant matter. If no, not, dude, I we can have full food, man. Right? We got full food, dude. Full mm. food. What's left over? What's left over, dude? I don't know, because if you eat a whole bunch of fruit, man, it just comes out, and it's like a pile, a mound, man. So then you got to drink some coffee to wash that shit down. Brandon, um, we already got to you, right? Yep, yep. Dave, clean those ears out, dude. Dustin. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Oh, um... Well, I, uh, <laughs> uh, you just cut your hand off <laughs> third time this week. Well, <laughs> they, they grow back lizard. Um, God damn it. So, well, uh, I go to UWM. I'm trying to learn how to do programming, which is really hard. Um, I'm just a film fan, really. Um, and I do have something to plug. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's going on. Fuck. <laughs> All right, weirdos. Anyway. Um, oh, he's got his uh, Wolfman cane. That's cool. Yeah, I don't think he has any it. clothes on. He took all his clothes off. Can you see that? Oh, I, I see. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so um, I was in a movie last year um, called Batman and Jesus. It's a documentary, kind of. It's hard to classify after actually having seen it. Where's and, the link, buddy? Uh, you can find it at igg.me slash at slash Batman and Jesus. Um, I think that's where you can buy it. It was made here in Milwaukee. And it's basically about comparing mythologies to religions, and they spend a hell of a lot of time on Batman. So it was pretty cool. So it premiered at this, it premiered at this convention I was at uh, this weekend, and I actually made it. I stayed in the cut of the film. I'm in like the intro scene. Nice. <laughs> awesome. So um, same time, same time next <coughs> next week. You got another oh, hairball, yeah. Dave. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to uh, cough out Dane, but um, he, he kept wanting to go back in. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. been on in a few weeks, man. But I gotta admit, I had more fun on this one, Dave. 
but uh, in any case, um, I dedicate this uh, episode to um, the Tom Petty or what? Um, uh, <laughs> I heard he's actually Not alive. Tom Petty. Uh, Save your sympathy. Um, hey, Celeste, I actually Celeste. dedicate this uh, yes. to both Tom. You Petty didn't and, mention and, the fact that the I, people that I changed uh, my future into that. You didn't like that I, picture I, I had in there. In the <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been changing oh, up every time I come in. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was, <laughs> I hit a, I, oh, I saw boobies. Something. <laughs> I saw boobies. Well, hey, at least it wasn't summer. That would have been a surprise. Oh, it is really hot up here. <laughs> well, any case, um, everybody, everybody uh, else basically, I did this episode. When I saw that cat for a moment, I thought it was like your butt, and I was like, oh no. The people that died in the massacre on Sunday evening. And my 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 heart actually goes out to uh, to uh, those people, because uh, a lot of horror fans probably died. Yeah. Probably. In any case. Well, and it needs to be said that uh, for as much as we love talking about horror films, which are obviously largely uh, make-believe and fun and all that, um, it should be said that Turning on the news, that's the real horror movie right there. It is. And, it's uh, just depressing. Oh, yeah. yeah, and the, totally. the yeah. Well, that and the real the real monsters don't look like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or the creature from the Black Lagoon. They look like uh, you and me. You and me. Yeah, they look like the shooter who apparently was uh, a very ordinary person prior to uh, committing the massacre. So let that be a lesson to you uh, listening. So we're all killers. Anyways. I really do believe that all of us have the capacity to be killers or saints or some variation thereof. It just really depends on what we some choose. Some have more than others. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, you can get into a whole nature versus nurture thing, but it's like. Uh, uh, quite honestly, you never know until you're in a situation. Yeah. Uh, some people that you would think uh, could be able to handle certain things in stressful situations, they actually collapse. And then somebody yeah. that you wouldn't uh, expect actually rises up to be the top. Yeah. So that, that's a difficult thing to uh, really talk about unless people are actually in uh, scenarios and situations like that. It's very true. But it just, mm -hmm. uh, it's a worthy, a worthy point to bring up uh, given the nature of this show and relative to what happens in real life. Yep, this is how we work. We set, you, we set you up with jokes, and then we just hit you with all the heavy stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, well, uh, in any case, what, so, so David, what did you say, what'd you say about your mom's panties again? What was that? <laughs> Leave my mom's panties out of it, man. By the way, Dustin, the that is the first time my butt has ever gotten an oh no. I'll have you know. Out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of my butt. Well, I try not to think about you guys that way, so. <laughs> it's kind of hard. That's the wrong word. <laughs> I need a better mask. This one sucks. Hey, what do you expect for 99 cents? Yeah, right. <laughs> that is exactly what I paid for, I suppose. So, but I'm getting a better one soon. Coming to you. <laughs> Actually, if you just paint that, it would look much better anyways. Uh, tutorials. I ended up not really wearing it a whole lot of that party anyway, but yeah, whatever. Well, in any case, uh, everyone say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.
caramba!